Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Sidious Mag Podcast. I'm Chris Chavez, and this is my show where I chat with some of the biggest names on the track, on the roads, within the coaching ranks, and across the running industry. Our guests sit down and open up in-depth to share their experiences, brilliant insights, and vivid snapshots from their professional and personal accomplishments within the sport. Today's episode of the Sidious Mag Podcast is presented by Bandit Running. Bandit Running is a performance running apparel brand founded in 2020 by members of the New York City running community. What started off as socks and accessories has grown into a full-fledged apparel assortment. Many of you tuned in for our coverage of the Chicago Marathon. Their Chicago collection was one of the best I saw from all of the brands. Their fall and winter capsule is also a hit. I know it's going to be tough for me to take my new Bandit Sidious Mag hoodie off all throughout the winter. Those aren't on sale yet. However, you can check out all of their tops, bottoms, long sleeves, hats, and more at banditrunning.com. Listen up because this is the best deal you're going to find on the internet from Bandit. Bandit is offering Sidious Mag listeners 15% off all of their orders from banditrunning.com for a limited time through October 31st if you use code Sidious15. Grab yourself some merch. Go grab some miles after that. That's banditrunning.com, code Sidious15. We're also brought to you by Olipop. We've been pounding Olipop for months now, and our gut health has never been better. We know all the trepidation that runners have had for years about drinking soda. Olipop calls itself a new kind of soda. Whether you're a runner, a fitness enthusiast, or just someone who wants to make better choices, Olipop is the perfect drink for you. Olipop is a low-sugar, low-calorie beverage that's packed with prebiotics, botanicals, and plant fibers that nourish your microbiome and supports digestive health. It comes in a variety of tasty flavors like vintage cold strawberry vanilla, lemon lime, and banana cream. Back in May, there was actually a report that Olipop's root beer flavor is the number one best-selling single-serve root beer. Now, they're coming for the top spot in a new flavor category, ginger ale. Give it a try today. I've got a couple in my fridge, and of course, it's delicious. Sidious Mag Podcast listeners get 25% off non-subscription orders by using code Sidious25 at checkout when they visit drinkolipop.com. You can also find Olipop at Whole Foods, Sprouts, Kroger, Target, Walmart, Publix, and other retailers. So next time you're looking for a refreshing and healthy drink after that long run or hard workout, reach for an Olipop. You won't be disappointed. Feel free to tag us and tag Drink Olipop on your Instagram stories. We love reposting those. Drinkolipop.com, code Sidious25. My guest for today's episode is Castra Semenya. She is a two-time Olympic champion and three-time world champion in the 800 meters. She just released her book, The Race to Be Myself, where she opened up for the first time about the personal and professional effects of taking hormone-suppressing medication for six years following her win at the 2009 World Championships at 19 years old. Semenya is considered a female athlete with differences in sexual development, DSD, For the past few years, World Athletics has required DSD athletes to medically reduce their testosterone levels in order to compete in events from 400 meters to the mile, and as a result, Semenya has not raced her signature event since 2019. Instead, a lot of her time in the past few years has been focused in the courtroom, and she's taken on several legal battles against World Athletics to have the regulations overturned. Europe's top human rights court ruled in Semenya's favor, that her appeal to a Swiss federal tribunal following the dismissal of her case to the Court of Arbitration for Sport was not properly heard. She's awaiting a verdict from the European Court of Human Rights. So as you can gather, there's lots and lots of legal battles happening. World Athletics issued a statement to Reuters this week saying that the governing body has only ever been interested in protecting the female category. 
I had the chance to read an advanced copy of the book ahead of my conversation with Castor. It included a gripping account of how she went to a hospital in South Africa expecting to undergo an anti-doping test only to later realize that she was undergoing a gender test. Another test followed in Berlin the day before the World Championship final. And then a media storm blew up when she learned about her condition along with the rest of the world when the results of the test were leaked. The book also includes some interesting and insightful recaps of her races at the London Olympics and the World Championships that followed. I fully understand that this is a hotly debated topic within the sport, and this isn't going to be a debate with Castor, but rather hearing a bit more of her story now that she's finally opened up about it and why her focus now shifts for fighting for others. So without further ado, here is Castor Semenya. I'm joined now by the two-time Olympic champion, three-time world champion, and I can't forget that world championship bronze medal in the 1500. Caster Semenya, thanks for joining me here in New York City. How are you liking New York? Thank you. Thank you for having me. Now New York is beautiful. I love it, but you know, we're here for work, so I haven't really done anything major outside the work. But I'm loving it. I like the atmosphere. The weather is amazing. I was expecting a little bit of cold weather, but it's nice. It's nice. I'm loving it. Yeah. You're on a little bit of a book tour. Your books just came out today, mm-hmm. actually, right? Yes. Came Publication out today. day. Congratulations. Thank the Race you. to Be Myself, yes. your memoir, is out now. I had the chance to spend a couple hours reading it. <laughs> I made it through, and it was impactful. Of I think that's the word that comes to mind for me because as someone who has covered, track and field for now mm-hmm. 11 years like i've seen you on the track i've seen yeah. you in the mix zone where you're coming through and i know sometimes that could be annoying because there's so much walking after the race <laughs> yes. and for you know the last couple for for that whole time mm-hmm. you've kept really tight-lipped about you know your private history ever yes. since 2009 of course and now this is the chance for you to kind of really tell your truth and tell your story yes and I'm curious, my first question is, why is now the time for you to really come forward and and share everything? (laughs) Yes, um, I think um, now is is just the time. I think it was just perfect timing because I'm ready. Uh, I'm matured enough. Um, I have knowledge, I have skills, you know, to tell the story. Uh, But most important thing, I think, is about educating people. It's about you know, giving those lessons, but also sharing my experience, you know, with those who are close to me, you understand? But for me, I think also it, it was a process for me to heal. I'll say, yeah, I was ready emotionally, physically, you know, psychologically. And yeah, I think it was just about time. Has it been, <clears throat> was it hard to keep quiet and keep those feelings suppressed a little bit? Because, you know, I've, I've been in, those post-race interviews sometimes when there's been other reporters who will yes. ask those questions and it's hard to get angry. It's hard to get emotional. Of course. But you never really lashed out. Because I'm the master. Um, <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't say it was hard for me to keep in because that's how I composed myself. Uh, that's how I had to, you know, rebuild myself. I had to just keep quiet and watch from the distance. Remember from young... Uh, I'm used to people criticizing. I'm used to people just judging me. I'm like, oh, let me let them do their work 
I'll do my work because my job was to perform. My job was to train hard. My my job was to just be disciplined and showcase, you know, my talent, not to speak because speaking for me, it was just a waste of time, you understand? And when when people question me, I always say, yeah, that means I'm doing something great, you know, that means I'm alive, that means I exist. So for me, I just have to keep on entertaining them so they'll they'll keep on doing the you know they're talking and for me it's easy because I know my purpose you know I know why I'm here I know what I'm doing I know my destination so when people start talking I'll be like mm, I love it because they build me you understand they make sure that I stay focused so I can never lose my cool because at the end of the day they they build you to become a better person mm-hmm. they teach you how to react you know through all these things and then you start realizing you know what I don't need to react you know upon that mm-hmm. I need to just to act so for me by just portraying that on the track making sure that I do my work you know with perfection so that's what defined me and that's what you know fascinated me I was like okay if i have this skill of posing if i have this skill of just being myself regardless of what i can be whoever i want to be mm-hmm. so for me yes uh, i cannot say it was hard it was just easy it was just easy especially when we speak psychology um when people speak you keep quiet you just listen attentively and then you get real answers and then you'll know what you know if 2% in the world speaks nonsense and then 98% speak in a positive way then why should i worry why should i respond to that mm-hmm. so yeah you learn that very early on in your childhood of course i the first 100 pages of the book it really is those formative years of, of your course. childhood where yeah. you're getting questions and other children are asking you things about your gender. And so, you know, I think for a lot of people, they think, oh, this started in 2009. It didn't. No, it started from the beginning. So I think for me as an African child, uh, we'll say we call this a calling. So when, when you are meant to be, it's like a king or a queen. Where we're coming from, we have chiefs, you know, we have those people who surround the chiefs and all those things. I think for me, I'll say I was the chosen one. I was born for this. You know, God gave me this life knowing that I am the change. And for that, that's why now we have this book. We're going to, you know, teach people how to carry themselves, how to have the better relationship, you know, with themselves. Because the most important thing about this book is not about all these things that happened, but it's all about how I've enjoyed, how I carried myself, how I kept my cool, you know, and all those things. And for me, I think I believe in God and I believe in my ancestors. So for me, my name first speaks volume because I am Hadi. Hadi means the one who guides, you understand? So I am the one to lead. You know, for me, it was about portraying leadership, you understand? So, and I'll say from young, also my parents have done well, uh, how they've raised me. 
they make sure that they give me that support, love, they appreciated me, they never judge me, but one thing that they did for me is to see me happy each and every day. So I think that has allowed me to have that power in me to own myself. I think one of the things that's interesting is like I it's hard for me to read running books because I <laughs> running is so so much of my job and of every course. day. This isn't what I would call a running book. It's not everything no. about your training. It doesn't have like splits and workouts and anything like that. This is your story. Of course. And I think running comes into it very early on. Yes. One of my favorite parts was the early running days with Boss. Your mm -hmm. first teacher, first coach, you said to him, running makes me feel free. Of course. Now, obviously, we know how your career on the track has panned out. Mm -hmm. has that, was that always the case? It has always been the case because if you look at where I'm coming from, I'm coming from um, a small village, you know, in the northern province, you know, in South Africa, which is, you know, it's dusty. Uh, we had no electricity. You know, we had no running water. You know, you have to make it up for yourself. You know, you have to wake up, you know, walk kilometers to fetch water, walk kilometers to get into the bush, you know, collect firewood, you know, to make sure that you can prepare a meal. You understand? For me, I think it comes within, you know, these things of running. And when I was out there, you know, playing soccer, when I was out there, you know, running around, I felt free. You know, that was my freedom, you know. So... Running has always made me feel free and still does even today. And I'm still doing it today even when I'm not in competitive world. So, yeah. I think what that first part of the book that's interesting is, and, and I remember in one part you say that you have never gone back to watch the press conferences from Berlin in of 2009. Course. Yeah. I did. I spent the last couple of days <laughs> on YouTube and I saw it. And one of the things was that, you know, I think the IAAF spokesman at the time mm. was like, yeah, the reason why we didn't have enough time to do these tests beforehand and to get answers and clarity before is because you popped out of nowhere to people, that African championships before. No sense, nonsense. And I think that if we had that first half of the story, mm -hmm. I think it would have made more sense to people. What do you think? Um, uh, I think he speaks about things that you don't, do, you don't know because if he talks about I popped out from nowhere, it's not true because... If he goes to the database of IAAF, you will see that I exist. Before even I ran the World Championships or even I ran African Junior Championships, I ran sanctioned World Championships mm -hmm. in the juniors. Right. I ran in Bitcoast 2018, uh, 2008, yeah. I mean. So when he says I popped out from nowhere, it shows that people are careless in their job. It shows that they're not doing enough research about the, what they're doing. And I ran uh, Commonwealth Youth Games. Mm -hmm. You understand? I won the Commonwealth Youth Games. So you understand? Before that, I did not come from nowhere. It's just when someone does good and it's coming from African soil, it's a problem. Yeah. You understand? So it, it wasn't about me coming from nowhere. It was just about I ran the world lead. I'm number one in the world. I ran in Africa. So there must be something wrong with it. You understand? So, and for me, it makes me laugh because I know that I had power in me to change the world. And since that day, I've changed the athletics world. Oh, I've yeah. changed it for real. Yes. yes.
I mean, what's your record in the 800? Undefeated since? Uh, since 2015. Yes, yeah. last time I lost the race was <laughs> in Berlin where I actually won my world title. I, w I found it interesting that you said you, you don't have any problem going back to Berlin. Like there was, there'd be some athletes who would be like, oh, I've, you know, that, that scarred me. That was so traumatic. But no, you kept going. No, Berlin was my second home. That's where I was born. You understand? My athletics career began there as a senior athlete, you understand? For me, going back there, it was beautiful. When I ran there, it makes me feel home. People there love me, I love them. And they love seeing me run. And if you look at all the performances that I've delivered in that stadium, it's phenomenal. You look at my 600 meters, I ran the world lead there, you understand? It's like a well best time, 121 there, so you understand? So for me, it's about the atmosphere, it's about the connection I have with German people. Mm -hmm. They love me in Berlin, I love them. So I've always go there. Even at my West, I make sure that I go there. The process of telling that part, right? I think that is maybe the part of the book that for a lot of people, that's, whoa, this is the first time we're hearing this. Of course. The 2019, the testing beforehand in South Africa mm -hmm. and then the testing in Berlin and just like the level of detail that you go in about of course. it. Can you describe to me, I guess, the process of putting that to paper and, and, and writing that? What feelings were, were, were you feeling at that, in that moment? I think it was a healing process because uh, you're reliving the memories. And I, I wanted to see if uh, I was feeling pain or anything. Funny enough, I did not because for me, uh, if you are a messenger, you are here to send a strong message to the world. So I'll say, if you know Jesus' story, I'll put myself in his space. You understand? I'll say, I am the sacrifice to the young upcoming generation. So if, if not me, who? You understand? We, I always ask those questions. And when I went through the process, I was like, <laughs> this was funny, you know, because uh, I remember, you know, going there, taking the blood, and then being examined and all those things. I'm like, but this is just the normal procedure that each and every individual goes. It's just then I was young. You understand? It was not really my concern. I just had no choice because of I went there with desperation. Mm -hmm. You understand? And I cannot say that I was hurt because of that. No, 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 no. The only thing that was in my mind was for me to get into that final. Mm -hmm. It was not about how I'm being treated. How I'm being treated is nothing. I'm a human. Anybody can be treated like that. You understand? You can deal with that later on. You understand? And when we write in this book, I'm like, you know, I'm explaining and then, you know, people will be emotional. But for me, come on. It's, it's, it's just the one act that I'll say it's like I'm an actress. You know, I'm like Tom Cruise. I'm like those Queen Latifah, you know, Queen Latifahs. And, you know, those guys. For me, it's just those memories. They mean a lot to me because it's my life. Mm -hmm. You understand? But it's a learning curve to each and every individual to say, you must never ever let anyone violate you to that extent. You must not let desperation determine your destiny. Mm -hmm. You know, determine your final destination. You understand? You should have, you should know your rights. 
Then I did not know my rights. Now I'm teaching people to understand that you have a right to say no. You understand? You have a right of being. You understand? You should understand your human rights. I think it's very, very important for each and every individual understand that. For me, reliving those moments, I think it's more of was a healing process because now I started understanding that oh in Berlin actually I was not mad mm-hmm. I was only mad after the situation where I see you know people are talking about me that's only anger I had but I had to keep it to myself to say you know what they don't know what they say they don't know what they're talking about let me say stay away from them let me let them talk you know just pause it and keep it to myself. The day I want to tell it, I'll tell it. Which is now is the right time. People will understand that, you know, sometimes in life you enjoy a lot of things. So because you sacrifice yourself for others. And now it's just a time for me to fight for what is right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know in the behind the scenes there were people trying to talk you out of they don't run the final. Mm-hmm. Let's you know defuse the situation now. It's only going to get worse. You were insistent. Mm-hmm. I'm going to run that final. Of course. Now I know you're doing you know a little bit of coaching here and there, and mm-hmm. you're so much more educated on the subject matter. Of course. If you're the coach and you're dealing with 18 year old Caster at that point, of course, you're telling her to run the final. I'll tell her to run the final. Why? Because there's no one who's going to drag her out of that track. And if it's, that's the case that she needs to do the last dance at the first time, you know, and the last time, I'll advise you to do that because that moment is yours. That moment you own it. That moment you've been working for it. So why letting people to stop you to expressing yourself? Mm-hmm. Why letting people stopping you to actually celebrate yourself? If it's the last time, if it's the first time and the last time, why not? That's what I've done. I'll still advise one to do that. But the only thing that I can advise them not to do is to go through shame, is to go through what I went through. Because if you're going to allow people to violate you, I don't know how you're going to handle it. Because, you know, I know it wasn't easy for me to pass through those times. Mm-hmm. So are you ready to go through that? Can you handle it? Those are, are, are going to be the question. But if you think you can handle it, who am I to stop you? Right. You understand? But I can only advise to say, look, it's okay, run and see what will be the outcome. If the outcome says you've been forced to do this and this and that, you know, hormonal therapy, you know, surgery, all those things, say no. Rock yourself. Believe in yourself. Move on. Look into other things, adventures, you understand? Do something different. Go back to school, be educated, own something, you understand? Those are the things that I can advise a young, you know, Casta Semenya, a young one boy, a, a young, you know, Francine Yosaba, you understand? A young Emali, you understand? So Seni, you understand? Those are the things that I can say to them, but is their own decision at the end of the day what they want? Mm-hmm. If they're ready to enjoy that, it's fine to carry on with it. But if not, I'll advise them to fight for what is right. Yeah. One of the cool things, I love hearing the behind the scenes behind these great races. Of course. In the warm-up area, you described that you saw the fear in the eyes of yeah. your competitors. Of course. I know you just in the book, you, you put that to words. It's just one sentence. Mm-hmm. Can you describe to me what that looked like? 
it looks um, it looked amazing because I was the one who's running the show. I turned left. At that point, you won the race. You're in their head. That's right? where. Yeah, I was all over their heads. I can still remember. I saw Usain Bolt at the corner. I saw fear in those men's eyes when Usain Bolt did the run through. Everyone is looking at him. I say, oh, they lost the game because how the hell are you gonna watch your opponent do warm ups? You understand? And then I go around. I see all these seven ladies. They're looking at me. I'm like, yeah, I'm the dark. <laughs> I have arrived. You understand? And it made me feel good because I was confident. And then I passed through the tents, passed through the Russian tent, passed through the British tent, passed through the Kenyans, passed through Ukrainians. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm here. You understand? I was there to rule. I belonged and I was there to say, mm-hmm. regardless of what. And what I loved about it is that no one could talk to me. Only one lady spoke to me, you know, Marilyn Okoro. Yeah. You know, we had a small chat. You know, she asked me if I'm good. I'm, I'm good. I'm ready to kill it. You understand? She was like, I can see. You understand? That's the sister I respect. You understand? Out of all those people that ran in that final, but then later on, you know, you start heavy, you know, engagement, let alone the Italian. I didn't have time for her. She didn't have time for me. You understand? But after those years, we sisters. Mm-hmm. I can communicate with her, Alisa Kuzma. She said horrible things about me, but I met her last year. You know, we, we spoke, you understand? Because I don't hold crutches. You know, I know people, they speak out because of anger. They speak out out of, you know, desperation. They also want to win, I understand, these frustrations. But if you're not going to give me respect, I'm not going to give it to you, you understand? But for me, I am not like you. I make peace easily. Mm-hmm. So I speak to them. I came across, you know, Chepskoske, we good friends, you understand? I came across Jenny Meadows, we good friends, you know. The very same Sevenova that, you know, portrayed me as look at her, you know. She yeah. didn't call me her, you understand? She was, she's like a boy. You get what I'm saying? I still had that sportsmanship because I was made for a change. I was made to come here and make people realize that Humanity is the power. Mm-hmm. You understand? Sports is for all. It speaks to us with the language that we can understand. And that's me. You know, I took over the greatest, you know, the late Nelson Mandela's. You know, you understand? I have learned about humanity. So for me, that final, that was the, my, the beginning. You understand? I was not going to let it to be the beginning and the end. But when my officials told me that uh, maybe you should not run, I said, no freaking way. I'm going to make it to that final. I'm going to walk in there. You're going to put that medal in my neck. You understand? And that's when they were alive. You know, that's when they started realizing that, you know what? This is the kind of mentality we need in the sports. And I'll continue doing that. Mm-hmm. Yes? The analogy of the eyes comes up other times in the book of course. where you talk about some of the other women who did decide to go through yes. with the hormonal therapy or with mm-hmm. the surgeries. Yes. And you say the, the light in their eyes was dimmed at that point. Of course. What did you mean by that? What I mean is that the minute you've been 
fooled to go through that because you're being lied to that, you know, if you go through this surgery, you still make it. But you're forgetting that if someone cuts something out of your body, you are different. You're no longer going to be the same person. It's more like when you go through that and take that. I was one of them. I went through the hormonal therapy. I was always in the dark. You live through hell. You're going to live through depression. You'll be depressed. You will live under the stress. When I say stress, that means there's no light over the tunnel. You're digging a hole that you can never fill up. It's like a borehole. When you, when you dig a borehole, that soil that you take out, even if you try to fill it, mm -hmm. it can never be filled. That's what I'm saying, that you're drilling a hole that you cannot fill. If you go through that medication, you go through that hormonal therapy, is the end of your happiness because you'll never be happy. Nothing will make you happy. That's what I mean because it's darkness. Mm -hmm. You're in the dark. It's like going to the space. You don't make it back. Yeah. If, if, if that Apollo bust, how are you going to make it back home? Yeah. It's the same. It's the same feeling that people need to start learning how to treat others with respect, humanity. Dignity is very important. Yes, let alone our differences, but for me, treating people with respect, appreciating them, accepting them for who they are, it, you know, is the best. But that darkness, you can't light it up. Mm -hmm. I, it's interesting because now we kind of see since 2018, right? Or, yes. or since 2019 when the rules got put back in of place. Course. You're still the, like the biggest one who's taken to the fight. Like of course. we look at Francine. Francine's tried the 5K and 10K. Yes. Margaret Wambui has disappeared. Never. Yeah. And I think that if we look at the events that she can try to compete in now, mm -hmm. the 5K, the 10K, she's Kenyan. Like we know how good the Kenyans are in those events. We never got to, she's 28 <laughs> years old. Like we never got to see, like I think the best of her. Uh, uh, the problem is it's impossible for one to just switch from one event to another. Athletes were not born the same. As much yeah. as they say, we have higher, you know, the advantage, the testosterone play advantage. No, it does not. Because at the end of the day, if I'm designed only for 800 meters, mm -hmm. it is for me. Unfortunately, I've been running 800 meters since I was like 15 years of age. And then at the age of you know, 29, 30, I need to switch. It, it cannot. Even if I try to switch, I cannot do nothing. I can't beat anyone over those races. It shows that there's no advantage. Mm -hmm. It's just hard work. So I feel sorry for, you know, Margaret, you know, sitting there at home, Imali. It was just the beginning of their careers. And unfortunately, there's nothing that they can do. But because we're here, some of us are vocal enough to fight for what is right, we sacrifice ourselves for them so they can have that chance to compete. You understand? We want to make it right. We want to make it so people can understand that, you know what, this is nonsense. Regulating women's sports is not really important because um, you're killing, actually, women's sports. You're just killing it. You know, there's no level in play, if you may say. Because if we're going to talk about fairness in sports, 
if you're going to talk about fairness in sports, this debate we can never end because no one can win the debate. Because at the end of the day, if you talk about fairness in sports, we must start with men. Go fix men's categories. Categorize men. Say, okay, short guys, go the other side. Tall, go the other side. The one with a maybe bold, you know, head, go the other side. You get what I'm saying? So if you're going to say you're going to categorize based on that, genetics, it cannot work. So it shows that if you're going to attack people based on their genetics, it's nonsense. But I just feel sorry for those young ones who cannot fight for themselves, who cannot voice out, who cannot say, hey, this is nonsense. You can't do this. You can't do that. But if I'm here to do that for them, why not me? This podcast is brought to you by V.O2, a coaching app based on the science of legendary coach Jack Daniels. High schools, clubs, and universities from all over the world are having great success using VDOT. Since 2017, Marietta High School in Georgia has won a combined nine 7A state titles in cross country. Their coach, Jack Coleman, had the following to say about VDOT 02. The features of VDOT 02 are exactly what I need as a coach. The ability to create group training plans that are individually personalized within each group is my favorite feature. VDOT is offering 20% off their coaching subscription using the code CITIUSMAG. Download VDOT02 in the app stores or visit VDOT02 to start your 30-day free trial. Athletes without a coach can also use the same code to try out their fully automated VDOT adaptive trainer and sync to an Apple Watch, Koros, or Garmin. Leverage the world-famous VDOT formulas and take your running to the next level with VDOT02. I do want to talk about some of these races that you highlighted all throughout the throughout the book because you know uh, i just love hearing the behind the scenes so i went back and i watched the 2011 world championship race mm-hmm. that was wild uh, that race was wild especially because now if you look at the results you see the russians have all been mm-hmm. disqualified and i think that you said you know that was the first time in my life i felt like i truly got hit by another runner i respected her for that win i still do yes i think there's some people might take offense to that one line in the book because you know she's been convicted of doping why is there still that level of respect at the end of the day i felt the pain that i never felt before people need to start understanding that that race is not about doping for me it's about you feel the same way about 2012 as well that's what i'm saying for me it's about what i felt in the race people need to you know do not miss you know uh, uh, understand me I'm not promoting doping. I'm not promoting anything. At the end of the day, I give the respect of the move. If you have done video analysis, you'll understand what I'm talking about. I'm talking about art. I'm talking about how she executed. Despite of her being doped, you understand? Despite of her being cheating. To me, I don't really care about that. What I felt in that race no one know what I felt. If I made a move when she passed, I could have tripped. You understand? Because when I moved last 250, I thought, no, man, it's, it's done. No one can pass me over the you know, 200 meters, last you know, 100. But when I got to 50 meters, what that woman did there, for me, crazy. it was crazy. It was unbelievable. And I look at a smile. I'm like... <laughs> What just what just happened? I thought I was done. 
But for me, I'll say I respect that because she moved. Even if she's dope, at the end of the day, it don't change the position. Mm -hmm. It don't change that on the video she won the race. Even if you go back to 2011, you cannot eliminate her yeah. on the race. That's why people need to understand that we can't change what happened. We can just fix mistake that people, you know, have done. Yes, she's saving her band. She saved her band, and it's okay. But what I'm trying to say is that, in a technical point of view, you, you must look. I respect the tactic. People, please don't misunderstand me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't. I'm talking about in a technical point of view. I'm a master in 800 meters. I'm a master at last. I mean, 2012. Yes, of course. The final 100 meters, you yes. go from sixth to second place. That's and then that I'm gets saying. upgraded to first. Yes, you understand? So it's the same thing for me. 2012, I run a race. I'm not, I'm not feeling good. I'm not in my grooves. And I, I'm watching. I can see that moving. I want to give up the race. It goes the bell. I see Francine. She's in front of me. I'm like, ah, you come in front of me. What's happening? You understand? And... I go to the last 300. I said, you know what? I'm going to push for the last time because now I'm thinking of my parents. My mom and dad are up there on the grandstand. And I'm like, I'm not going to disappoint my parents. You understand? I'm going to try to push through and see what happens in the last 200 meters. I get to 300. The body get activated. I get to 200. It comes back. I said, you know what? Let me try bronze medal. Because I know there's a possibility of me winning a bronze on the last, you know, meters of the race. It's not too late. I knew to win, I was out. Mm -hmm. It's too late. And the last 100 meters, the body just activated, you know. Of course, I mastered the last 100 meters. When I pushed, I see the bronze is here. When I pass, get to the bronze, I see, oh, I think the silver, let me upgrade myself. <laughs> <laughs> and when I hit that last stretch... I get to, you know, second position. I'm happy with that. And on that one, there's nothing much I can say about it. It's the same. She's still number one, regardless yeah. of drugs, regardless of what, regardless of anything. It's the same as if someone is a thief, stole a million dollars and go to jail and come back. At the end of the day, she, whoever done that, he made good money out of it because yeah. he served for that money. You understand? That's why I'm saying that people must not misunderstand me when I say the pain I felt there, I've never felt before. Mm -hmm. As an athlete, training hard nine months before that race, and then I get there on the last 50 meters, that woman whipped me. She really hit me hard. Yeah. Yes. We fast forward to the Rio Olympics, but then, you know, kind of in that time period, mm -hmm. this is back when you're... I guess on the medication, right? Like mm -hmm. between between 14, 15, 14, 15, yeah, of course. And then eventually, you know, leading into the 2016 Olympics, mm -hmm. you know, there's a pause on the of course. on the rules. Mm -hmm. I did not know this, and this is another thing we learned in the book. Stress mm -hmm. fracture between Monica yeah. and the Olympics. Yeah. Your physio Anita basically mm -hmm. worked a miracle. No, she, she, I worked miracle. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, because then now after that, you cut yourself. I cut myself oh, just can, to, can I see the scars? Yeah, to clean, you know, to clean my, my, my angle so, yeah, you know, the swollen can go down. Uh, what happened is that that DM, probably I was careless a bit in terms of strengthening. I wasn't strengthening my ankles enough. Yeah. And uh, when we were in Deben for African Champs, I ran 
But after that, I couldn't walk. And I called, you know, violence like, my season is done. And I called Anita, my friend, we have problems. And no, the rest of the world doesn't know this. No one knows that. You kept that. it very secret. I kept it, my, you know, to myself. Yeah. And we came back. I look at uh, John Fester, my coach then. I said, my friend, uh, unfortunately, it looks like it's the end. It's the end of the road. Uh, we have a decision to make. And I went home. Uh, we met with Anita at the airport. And, we, you know, I couldn't walk. When I walk, if someone is coming, I'll walk normal. When they go, I will freak up. Is <laughs> that pain that you can't bear. Because I remember I was sitting with uh, Dambere, the guy from Italy. Yeah, yeah. When he broke his ankle, I, I messed up. I messed up my ankle as well. We <laughs> sit in there. He's screaming like, ah! You know, he's missing the Olympics. I'm like, oh, I'm also missing my Olympics. <laughs> you know, and we went home. We spoke. I uh, went to Anita. I asked her one question. Can you fix my ankle or no? You only have yes or no. I said, but think carefully. Because... Don't give me hopes if you can't fix this thing. And she was like, don't tell me you'll try. Tell me you'll do it. Because I don't want people to try. I want them to give their best. And she said, yes, we can do it. Then the process starts a week. I talked to Fester. I said, look, you can take a leave. Uh, let me find myself. Let me handle the situation myself. When I need you, I'll call you. And Samuel was uh, the guy that pays me. I said, you're going to stay next to me. We're gonna Im I'm going to implement the program of the track, of the grounds, in the gym. You, you didn't do any track workouts before? No, I didn't do track between workouts Monaco? for between Monaco and Rio. three weeks before three Olympics. Weeks before the, because yeah, I did one full week in the gym, second week, and the leg was better, could move. And then I did one week on the ground. I couldn't do the turns. I did the straights because I couldn't risk the fracture again. So the main goal was for me to get the feeling of running. I'll risk my leg. If I have to break it, it's fine. And my manager took, we did the MRI scan. We sent it to Dr. Muller in, yeah, Germany. in Germany. Dr. Muller said, ah, she's done. I was like, I'm going to show him what I'm made of. Then I went. I went to Olympics. You know, we fix it. When I cut the leg, I, I told Anita, look, because, you know, you can't see anything because the angle was so long, it was big. Let me just go home just for a weekend and see. Then when I got home, I went to a traditional way. I cut myself, take out the blood, cut myself again, take out the blood. And then when I came back, the angle was alive. It was a little bit alive. And then we started working. I wasn't, I wasn't speaking to Anita at all. No words. I was just coming, bow my head to just say hello. And then I sit on the bed. 
But when that day, after a few days, angle clicked, there was a celebration. Hey! I am back now, I'm back. If the angle clicks, means I can run. And she worked on the angle, needling, you know, working on the mobility, everything. Uh, all of a sudden, it comes back to life. We try to run outside. Then I couldn't feel nothing when I was joking. I said, good. Then we had a uh, sponge in my, you know, my shoes just to put the support, uh -huh. you know, on, on, on my spikes and, you know, the running shoes and everything. And I did physio morning, afternoons. It's like I was doing the morning. It's like I had meals, breakfast and lunch and dinner There's every physio, day yeah. for 31 days wow. before Olympics. And it worked. And yeah. it worked. And the coach, I told him, stay away a little bit. I'll call you. I worked on the gym, I implemented everything in the gym, and it was good. But the, mon the, main, the main focus was for me to do a lot of cardio work in the gym. So to feel like, because I had this act trainer where I did the program on, on it, and it worked perfectly. It did. It worked. And going to Olympics, I told them, like, as long as I can win gold, even if I break this leg, it's fine. I'll deal with it later on. And I went there with one leg. Not strong. You ran 155. I ran 155 because you got to be crazy in your mind to that end. And people who always run good, they're not in really good condition. Yeah. I must tell you that. I mean, it's crazy to hear all that because no one knew. The whole time, the rest of the, the whole world is writing articles about how you're going to win gold and yeah. controversy and everything. Of course. And I remember I was there. I was in Rio. I was at the press conference mm -hmm. afterwards. <laughs> And I kind of, I, the reason I sat in the press conference, I was like, mm. everyone in this room thinks there's fireworks about to go off. Yeah. This is the, now, you know, we didn't have that press conference in Berlin. You weren't there. Mm -hmm. But this time at the Rio Olympics, you're going to sit down and answer questions when there's just so much tension and controversy up in the mm -hmm. air. And first question gets asked and you immediately diffuse the whole situation. Of course. Because... If it, you didn't do that, it was going to be nonstop questions to you, Margaret Francine, of course. about DSD, the testosterone and everything. I had to say the statement to say, hey, we own the moment. We are the moment. We are in the moment. Let us enjoy the victory. Mm -hmm. You understand? You are not going to come here and talk about someone who is not in the race. Someone who is regulating women's sports. No, 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 no. We want to talk about the race. Ask the question based on the race. Don't ask question based on the future that we don't know. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but I know what's happening at the moment. I know I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy that I won gold for my people. You understand? So ask me about that. And for me diffusing that, I had to set, set it state to say, hey, you don't mess with me. You understand? Yeah, because I also feel like someone like Wambui was so young at, in that situation that she was the equivalent of you in 2009. She I had didn't to have protect. the education or the yes. way to respond to everything. And so it was it was handled really well. Uh, and then from there, I think you wrote, you thought that that could have been your last 800 meter race. Of course, yeah, because I had to protect them as well, you understand. But for me, I'm used to it. I can do anything. And I was matured enough. And knowing that it might be our last 800 meters, it had to be memorable. You understand? We don't want controversy. We don't want 
people talking about the soccer. We want people to talk about how brilliant the race is. We, we have done the clean sweep. It was only Africa, you understand? For us as Africans, we are united. We make sure that we celebrate our victories regardless of what. And we did just that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You categorize kind of the years after that, 2017 mm-hmm. to 2019, is basically like your Michael Jordan version of the last <laughs> dance. <laughs> of course. That was my last dance, and I did the dance well. I flipped the moonwalks and all those things. <laughs> In 2017, you even decided to go after, you know, you, you did 400, 1,500. Mm-hmm. Yes. I didn't even realize while I was reading the book that you initially, had it not been for the injury, wanted to do... The double four hundred eight. If if I didn't yes, if I didn't have that problem, I could have doubled in the Olympics eight and four. How competitive do you think you would have been in that four hundred? Of course, I could have won a medal then. That's the Shawnee Miller with with the Allison Felix era. Of course, I could have won a medal because I was in a good state through that. And considering how the final went down, I had possibilities to do anything in them. Yeah. Yes. So in, in 2017, then you give the 1500 a try. Of course. And I didn't know. You You say 1500 meters is your favorite race. 1500 was my favorite race. It's still my favorite race because it challenges me. It's one of this that race that you need to get your tactics right. You need to move at the right time. If you, if you delay your moves, you are doomed. That's what happened to me, you know, in 2017 because when, when they moved... I try to move someone, jump in front of me. I have to wait, 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 be patient. But that messed up my goals, messed up my plans, you understand? Uh, uh, probably I could have you know, contested for a gold. But, you know, thing, if things it are not meant to is, be, is if things are not meant to be, no, no, no. For me, I, I can't say it was hard to beat because yeah. we are competitive. I need to give her to run for her life. She needs to make me run for my life. So for me, I love competing with her. I loved, I enjoyed it because I remember we had the ice bath there, you know, talking. She was like, really, are you doing 1500? I said, I'm here for you. You know what I'm <laughs> So, yeah, I'm that kind of a, an athlete that I, I never back down to any challenge. So, yeah. That the final hundred meters of that race, yeah. I mean, that's maybe the craziest race. Is the craziest because I didn't realize that Simpson was coming from the inside. The inside. Yes, I didn't realize that. She's a master tactician. And I was like, "What the hell?" (laughs) I see a blue reflection coming in my eyesight. I was like, Sifan was going backwards. Sifan is going backwards. I see Laura Murray's here. I'm like, but. I gotta, I gotta get something out of this. If it's that's the case, I have to deep or dive. I'm gonna dive for my medal. The because dive I'm was not, funny. Violet was there. I'm not going. I'm not going to disappoint Violet in front of the world. You understand? Yeah. She was a top five meter runner. You know, I had to do it for her. You see, now we have a f- one top five meter, you know, medal in the house. We have gold medals in the house, so we fulfilled, man. There's <laughs> nothing that we don't have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So then we look at 2019. You get the chance to meet with world record holder Jamila Krajovalova. Yes. And she, you know, tells you that you're the person most capable of yeah. breaking her world record. Of course. And at this point, tensions are even higher with mm-hmm. the IAAF World Athletics of at course. that point. Now, those last couple of races, each time out, did you think... This is a world record attempt. No, it was for me. It was not. 
I was not attempting anywhere record. Remember, okay. I'm a master class. Yeah. I know 800 meters now. I knew that for me, I need to get closer to breaking 150, you know, 155 each race that I run. If I can run six times one under 155s, I know I can do it. And I was getting closer. I knew that if I had three or four more races to do that, of course, it was possible for me to do it. And when we spoke with her, she was like, I thought you were crazy when I met you in 2011. But what I see now, I see a mature athlete, someone who understands splits, someone who knows when to move. You understand? Because what made me dangerous in 800 meters is because I believed in even splits. So for me, it was never about the speed. Mm -hmm. It was about the pace that I ran. If I can keep that pace for long, I didn't care about the fast, you know, fair, 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 the fast, fast lap. No, 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 I don't care about it. I care about me capitalizing on the corners, making sure that if I pass 56, I come back 58. So for me, if I had that chance to go 55, 57, kaboom. That's how you, you would have done it. Yes. I need, I need to know this for my own peace of mind. Since, okay, so to, June 2019, that's your last of course. 800. Yes. After that, in practice, at any point, did you ever mm. do all-out 800? No. Never. Come on, no. Because no. I've, I've always wanted to know. It's like, I no, 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 no. I have never done that because remember then, it was all about me preparing myself for long-distance yeah. running. So for me, I am that focused athlete who does not you know i don't focus on things that i cannot control right there's a the focus pr doesn't matter yes yeah. it does not matter it didn't matter about 800 meters because i remember one of the corporates that i partnered with they you know they they proposed that when they're running you know the final in doha i must run 800 meters i said i'm not desperate mm. i'm 800 meters i make 800 meters 800 meters don't make me Mm -hmm. You must go back to the statistics. You'll understand. If you look at my stats, you understand what I mean. So yeah. for me, I have no unfinished business in Aiden Meters because I have done what I was supposed to do. You have to be a little curious here now. We see everyone now running with the, the fancy lights and the super spikes. What could you have done with both? For me... I, I don't really care about the you likes said, of, yeah. okay. at the end of the day, I am not in that in this moment. It's not my moment. It's, you know, it's Atimu's moment, you understand? For me, what I will do is to encourage her to believe in herself. If she want to go for it, she must go for it, you understand? For me, I played my role. My time has passed. If I were to come back and do that, it will be a privilege, you understand? And to make sure that also I push her to her limits. I push her to her boundaries because that's the only athlete I look up to. You know what I I think she's the next, you know, the great Aidan Mitterrand. If she can compose that and she makes sure that she focus on the splits, she makes sure that she maintain that speed, come on, it's easy for her to do that. I was going to ask you because, you know, before we even started recording, I, I said you weren't in Budapest competing this summer, mm -hmm. but you said you watched it. You watched all of course, of it. I watched what, what have you made of, you know, the new faces in the 800? A thing, Keely, Mary Mora, mm -hmm. 
you know, there's if now they everyone calls them the new big three. Of course. And they're so young that they can mm-hmm. hopefully challenge like the world record in of the course. coming years. But for you to watch now from the sidelines, I mean, what have you made of the 800 now in the steps that it's taken? Uh, you have to understand that they're in uh, their era that different from me. You were the greatest of your era. Of course. You write I'm that in the, the greatest book. of my era. They are the greatest of their era. So for them, I think they need to not fear to challenge the times because sometimes they play around a lot. You know, they want to hold and kick. I've done that when I was learning. My advice to them would be go learn 800 meters. When you're ready to challenge it, go for it. But I love watching them run. But if, if they ran with us, for me, I could have... I'll, I'll make sure that they run for their lives every day because I cannot risk running with the fresh blood. The fresh blood, they can move anyhow they want, as I did to the other generation, you see. So it's the same thing. It's a generation to generation. I love how they run. I always you know, enjoy watching them. And I always go for, you know, Atimu because I like, you know, her, her strides. She's tall. She's got speed. She just need to compose and balance and just do it. Mm-hmm. You know, for her, come on. Yeah. She, she has it. Mora, Hopkins, they're good. But the big deal, if we were to speak for me from one 800 meter to another, come on. I, it's such a shame we never got peak you versus a thing Mo. I think it will always be unfair. It's, it's yeah. like you comparing Kobe Bryant, right, right, right. Uh, the late Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan. And, you know, those are the big threes, you know, the big three. And, you know, LeBron, you know, you understand. They are the greatest of their generation. You know, Michael Jordan did what he had to do at his own time. LeBron is the greatest of our generation, you understand. Kobe Bryant did what he did. Tim Duncan did what he did, you understand? All those, you know, NBA, uh, you know, players and we on the track. Each generation has their own to portray greatness. And it's always unfair to compare athletes, compare achievements and all those things because we are in different eras. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where's your head at right now with, you know, we're heading into an Olympics year. Yes. In terms of your own professional career on the track is that mm-hmm. a goal like you i mean the options are of course 5k 10k mm-hmm. and we've seen you run some of those races but mm. you know i guess for you is there any fulfillment in the olympics next year uh, i think for me uh, i have no longer have desires for anything in terms of competition for me now i do sports socially but not retired, right? No, I'll never retire because I've been stopped from running. Anyway, I was never going to retire because when I came into sports, I did not introduce myself. <laughs> so, but um, retirement will not be the weight I will use if I'm being stopped like that. I'll just continue on, you know, advocating for sports, advocating for women, fighting for what is right, and make sure that women are treated with respect. Mm-hmm. You understand? I'll always stand for women. Yes. I When I closed the book, there were mm-hmm. moments when I was thinking, all right, well, the first, last, you know, 20 pages or so, mm-hmm. you go at Sebastian Coe a, a little bit. Of course, of course. Who, I mean, is there anyone that 
yeah, I, at the very beginning, you talked about some of those fellow competitors, mm-hmm. ones who bad-mouthed you in the media and mm-hmm. said some hurtful things, but of over the years have come around to be friends and mm-hmm. colleagues. And do you, is there anyone out there that you feel like owes you an apology or no. anything? No. I need no apology to no one. I need no validation to no one. No one at all. At so if Sebco sat down right here. I don't give a shit about that. <laughs> I don't need to sit with him down okay. and discuss anything. I have no desire to do that. This is more of a personal issue that we as human, we have. He disrespected me publicly, you understand? So I don't care. I have no feelings for him, for so whatever. I respect his job. He is the president. It's okay. But personally, we have no relationship. We have no connection. So I don't think I'll give him a chance or I need a chance, me and him, to sit down for anything. He means nothing to me. I mean nothing to him. You understand? Then for me, he's just a human like any other. I respect him as a human. I just don't like his attitude. Mm-hmm. Yes. The title of the book is The Race to Be Myself. Yeah. I know now that race has moved off the track and we've been in courtrooms for a lot of it. And, you know, there's rulings that we're waiting on. I guess, when does this race end? The race can never end because up until women's sports is respected, women are treated equally as men, this race will never stop. For me, like I said, I am going to advocate for women's sports. I'm going to make sure that I fight for what is right. I fight those men who always think that they have a say on how women should look like. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm going to fight for. I don't care who you are, who you think you, the power you have, but you must know that once you touch women, you touch me because I'm a woman. You understand? And I'll always fight for what is right, regardless of what. I don't care what powers you hold or anything. You must know that when it comes to us women, we're going to come for you. Mm -hmm. Yes. My final question for you, Castor, is, you know, hearing you speak today, and it, it, even it comes through in the book, just like the power of the, this message that you're portraying. Mm-hmm. If the Castor sitting in front of me knew today how her career was going to pan out, mm-hmm. and I, and we go back to the little girl in Limpopo. <laughs> yes. And it, I guess what would she have said to her about, like, you know, the road that was ahead? It, it's, it has not been an easy road. What I can say to a young cast WC is the same thing. Take time to understand yourself. Take time to study the person you are. Love yourself. Appreciate yourself. Accept yourself. Have the best relationship with yourself. Respect yourself. You know, all those things. If you can do that, have a better relationship with yourself, it becomes easy. Don't worry about what people say about you. Worry about what makes you happy, what you think of yourself. When you look at that mirror, what reflects there should make you happy. Rock that person, embrace that person, make that person happy, which is you. That's what I can say. And if you can do that, you can never let any individual 
make you feel like you're not enough. You can never let any individual violate you. You can never let any individual make you do things that you don't want to do. You can never let anyone make you act out of desperation because you know your cause, you know your purpose, you know the purpose of your life. Just go out there, enjoy yourself. That's what I can say. Castor, thank you so much for for doing this and thank you so much for you know, finally opening up in, in your book and I encourage a lot of people to, to pick up the book and, and read it because, you know, for so many years we've watched you run on the track <laughs> and this is the complete version of that story. No, thank you. I appreciate it. I hope everyone will learn from this book and be the best that they can be. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all for listening to this episode. This episode was produced by Jasmine Fair. I love doing this for you guys, so please do me a favor and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify that helps us grow the show and get even more awesome guests. Let me know what you're enjoying about the show. Make sure you're subscribed or following on your favorite podcast players. Please share this episode with your friends if you think that they'll get any value or inspiration out of it. Let's build this thing together. Visit SidiousMag.com for a lot more. We've got a brand new website with tons more articles, videos, and podcasts. As always, I love track and field. I'm Chris Chavez. See you next time.